Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now, here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you on the feast day of the dedication of the Lateran Basilica in Rome. Praise be to God. I have been there. Uh, good times, great times. Praise be to God. Beautiful place. If you've never been, let me encourage you. You should try it out sometime. But uh, we're going to have an interesting show today. Hey, that Republican wave, did it fizzle out on the shores of Florida? Didn't seem to go much further than that. We're going to get the initial results with Joshua Mercer from CatholicVote.org coming up at 15 past the hour. Where are we at? It doesn't look good, I can tell you that. But it's still early in some places, so... We'll give you the latest information at 15 past the hour. And then coming up, coming up at 35 past the hour, here's the question. You know, there is really no political solution to changing the world. That's an evangelical solution. Only the Catholic Church can decide to alter humanity through evangelization of souls. But why aren't we doing that? That's the question I'm going to ask Mother Miriam of the Lamb of God at 35 past the hour. Please do join us if you can. David L. Gray is going to be on the show at the top of the next hour. We're going to be looking at the abortion referendum. Bad news on that front. I mean, it was not a good night in Kentucky, California, uh, Vermont, Michigan, and other places. David L. Gray will give us the news there. So many stories in the news. Good news for the Chicago Catholics. Guess what? Sunday obligations are back on the, uh, the the agenda for you. I mean, it's only been two years now since, you know, the start of the pandemic, a full year and a half after every other diocese reinstituted the Sunday obligation. Welcome back to the game, guys. Uh, it's good to have you back. Technicians in Arizona's Maricopa County said uh, they just changed the printer settings. That's why 60 polling stations had major problems yesterday, causing a lot of upset voters in those locations. There was also problems, I think, in Pennsylvania with paper issues for the printers. Harris County, Texas, big problems there. Uh, Golly gee whiz, that doesn't affect the vote at all, I'm sure. 25% of Ireland's Catholic priests are all going to be over 75 in the coming years. Only 2.5% of Irish priests are below the age of 40. Do you think there's a problem with that? I'm just curious. Um, Maybe it's because of all those young trad-like Irish priests that they don't like. Maybe they're to blame. Hey, voters in three states have approved ballot measures that will uh, change the state's laws for involuntary servitude. Prison labor forces, they're outlawing that in several states. That was part of the referendum yesterday. So that, that was very interesting. Good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe. And thank goodness for that. I don't have to work anymore. No more? Ever? Yeah, well, you know. Being being that I'm in prison and I see like yeah. the prison of your mind or like the Matrix or I'm in Joe Joe McLean's prison. Oh, and I uh, okay, I got it. I'm so, being held against my will. People. I see. <laughs> Call nine one one immediately. <laughs> I see where you're going with that. I see where you're going with that. Wow, you know, I thought the red wave was going to mm. be a tsunami, but uh, turns out uh, not so much. It, not yeah, not not a great look. Yeah. I would say uh, Bill Clinton's first midterm. Uh, 64 houses lost from the Democrats uh, mm. went to the Republicans. Obama's first midterm, 63 lost and went to the Repub- Republicans. Uh, Joe Biden, um, 15, mm. 20, 
I don't know. Surprising. We're going to find out with Josh Mercer coming up 15 past the hour. Uh, speaking of servants, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. A servant leader, one might say. One good might morning. say. Oh. Good morning. One might say. Howdy, howdy. Praise be to God. It's good to be here. <laughs> is it? It is. Praise be to God. Despite the fact that uh, the election was completely above board, not a single issue. Absolutely. And I promise me. that I, uh, I believe everything that the government tells me. Everything. <laughs> Everything. Despite the fact that all that. those things, uh, it is still good to be here. Praise be to God. It was interesting to see the coverage from, I like, because I watched a ton of different people covering the topic last night and this morning. And uh, you could tell which ones were uh, on which team because they were like, she denied the election results just like she did in 20. I mean, like, like it was just like the big <laughs> lie, the big lie. And then others were like, yeah, well, it's early. We're going to have to see how it all goes. And, you know, it just it was hilarious to see the, the diversity of coverage. But we're going to have a lot of that for you today. Joshua Mercy, Catholic Vote coming up. And then, as I said, Mother Miriam of the Lamb of God. Let's pray. Let's get started. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known. That anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now your headlines with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Drive Time. Today is Wednesday, November 9th, and here are your headlines this morning. By the way, uh, we're going to cover the election results in detail at 15 past the hour, so stay tuned for that. But here's an exit poll from Breitbart, and it says inflation was the top concern, 73% dissatisfied with the direction of the nation. Voters throughout the nation leaving the polls on Tuesday told CBS News that inflation was their number one concern. Which one of these issues mattered the most in your vote, the poll asked. 32% said inflation, 27% said abortion, 12% said crime, 12% said gun policy, and 10% said immigration. Voters were also asked, do you think Joe Biden's policies are mostly dot dot dot? Fill in the blank, 36% said helping the country. 46% said hurting the country, and 16% said not making a difference. The poll also asked, how do you feel about the way things are going in the country? 73% said dissatisfied slash angry, and 25% said enthusiastic and satisfied. Alitia says, 25% of Ireland's Catholic priests will age out in the next 15 years. A survey taken by Ireland's Association for Catholic Priests has revealed that about a quarter of the nation's clergymen will reach or surpass the age of 75 within the next 15 years. Furthermore, it was found that only an estimated 2.5% of uh, active Catholic priests in Ireland are below the age of 40. LifeSite News reports 10-year-old girl's abortionist sues India Indiana Attorney General in attempt to block access to records. Dr. Caitlin Bernard, an obstetrician gynecologist in the state's capital, is suing Attorney General Todd Ro Rokita to block a subpoena of patient records, which is part of an investigation into the report of an abortion committed on a young rape victim. The investigation was sparked by complaints that Bernard did not follow the law regarding the situation, which involved a patient traveling out of state to kill her unborn baby when her home state banned abortion. And Catholic News Agency reports Sunday Mass obligation reinstituted for Catholics in the Archdiocese of Chicago. Sorry, you got to go to Mass. For Catholics in the Archdiocese of Chicago, Sunday Mass will become obligatory once again after a general dispensation was granted at the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic. 
The restoration of the obligation comes more than a year and a half after dioceses in other parts of the U.S. began lifting their dispensations. And those were your headline news this morning. God love you. The saint of the day is Saint, and I apologize already because these are going to be a bunch of Irish names, and Irish names, well, Gaelic. you'll see. Saint Ben Benig- Beningus, Saint Beningus of Armagh, who died in 467. He was the son of Sessanin, an Irish chieftain in the part of Ireland that is now called as County Meath. He was baptized into the Christian faith by St. Patrick and became his favorite disciple and coagitator in the Diocese of Armagh around A.D. 450. His gentle disposition suggested the name Benin, who was, which was Latinized as Benignus. He followed, he, he followed his master in his travels and assisted him in his missionary labors, helping in the formation of choral services his family may have belonged to the Bardic Order. From his musical achievements, he was known as Patrick's Psalm Singer. As Beningus had been trained by Patrick in sacred learning from his youth and was well versed in language and learning of, of his native land, he was appointed as secretary to the Commission of Nine, which a few years before had been directed to compile the Brehon Laws. Ben Ingus, it's said to have contributed materials for the Psalter of Cashel in the Book of Rites. He succeeded St. Patrick's nephew, Sekhnal, as coagitator and became the first rector of the Cathedral School of Armagh. He, prese- he was present at the synod that passed the canon recognizing the see of the Apostle Peter as the final court of appeals in difficult cases. This canon is to be found in the Book of Armagh, St. Beningus resigned his coagitatorship in 467 and died the same year. His feast is celebrated on the 9th of November. In 433, Patrick clashed with King Laogaihire Atara over religion. Legend reports that a trial by fire was proposed. A pagan druid in Beningus was tied inside a burning timber building. The former was reduced to ash while Beningus was untouched. At this turning point, Christian teaching was established. Most authorities identify St. Patrick's psalm singer with this St. Beningus who founded Kilbanon near Tuam. However, Tarkhan's collection of the Book of Armagh states that St. Beningus of Kilbanon was a son of Lugni of Cognat. And I'm going to jump over all these names. Uh, in Cavan, he established a monastery on Drome Benin, which is today Drum Bannon. St. Beningus, pray for us. Nailed it. Totally nailed it. Easy peasy. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from John chapter 2, verses 13 through 22. Since the Passover of the Jews was near, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. He found in the temple area those who sold oxen, sheep, and doves, as well as the money changers seated there. He made a whip out of cords and drove them all out of the temple area with the sheep and oxen and spilled the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And to those who sold doves, he said, Take these out of here and stop making my father's house a marketplace. His disciples recalled the words of Scripture. Zeal, for your house will consume me. And this the Jews answered and said to him, 
What sign can you show us for doing this? Jesus answered and said to them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews said, This temple has been under construction for 46 years, and you will raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. Therefore, when he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they came to believe the scripture and the word Jesus had spoken. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Allegorically speaking, Origen saying, uh, this was quoted in the Ignatius Catholic Commentary today, by the way, says, quote, The sanctuary is the undisciplined soul, filled not with the animals and merchants, but with earthly and senseless attachments. Christ must expel them with the whip of his divine doctrine to make spiritual worship possible. Close quote, St. Origen. Haydock's commentary this morning said, How could the son of the carpenter, Joseph, whose divinity was not yet known to the people, succeed in expelling so great a multitude from the temple? There was undoubtedly something divine in his whole conduct and appearance which deterred all from making resistance. The evangelist seems to insinuate this by putting these words, Thy ho- The house of my father into our Savior's mouth, which was making himself immediately the Son of God. This made Origen consider this miracle in overcoming the unruly dispositions of so many as a superior manifestation of power to what he had shown in changing the nature of water at Cana. Close quote. Hadock's commentary kind of reminded me of that scene of Gandalf in the uh, hobbit hole there with with Bilbo and all of the, uh, or yeah, with all of the uh, the dwarves, and he stands up and makes his presence like really known, and everybody's like, whoa. That's kind of what I had in my mind when I read Haydock's commentary there. Hey, uh, there's several things here. There was a bit of a debate about how many times our Lord has whipped these people out of the temple. Some say one, some say two, like Chrysostom says that this happened twice, for instance. But there's a fascinating commentary from Ignatius on uh, aligning this occasion in John's Gospel with specifically the 46-year anniversary there. I found that very, very fascinating. But at the end of the day, they were forbidding the Gentiles from praying in the temple of the Lord. They were making it darn near impossible. And this is why St. Paul chastises them in his works in the New Testament as well. Let us come to the Lord. Let's abandon these material attachments we have and give complete and total gift of self to God and to his will. We'll be right back. Joshua Mercer, Catholic Boats, coming up next. Some atheistic scientists claim we don't need God to explain the universe because science is sufficient to get the job done. But is this true? The answer is no, and here's the reason. Science could never negate the need for God because it can't give an exhaustive explanation of the universe. First, it relies on the inductive method in order to validate its hypotheses. As such, scientists can never be certain they've discovered every piece of data necessary to give a complete explanation. They must always be open to discovering something new that could alter their current theory. Furthermore, science presupposes an existing universe to observe and explain. Thus, it could never explain why the universe exists in the first place rather than not. Science has explanatory power, but not enough power to negate the need for God. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers. 
catholic.com. Uh, started drinking beer on Saturday nights, uh, sleeping in on Sunday mornings, missing mass, and it just became a pattern and continued. Without God, I don't know where I'd be right now. I feel like I'm whole again. I know the importance of the Eucharist. I know the importance of the sacraments that I didn't know at a young age. I follow God's will because my desire is to get to heaven. Our, our lives are rich and full by being members of the church. If you've been away from the Catholic Church, visit catholicscomehome.org. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Mother Miriam of the Lamb of God is going to be on at 35 past the hour. Why we can't just vote a political solution to fixing the world and what Holy Mother Church must do to change it all. Coming up with Mother Miriam, join us if you can. Joining us right now, though, is Joshua Mercer, CatholicVote.org. Good morning to you, Joshua. Hey, glad to be with you. Praise be to God. We're glad for your time today. You, I don't know, did you get any sleep last night? Did you stay up all night? I mean, it was a pretty long night for a lot of people. It was a long night. I never get much sleep on election nights, but uh, I did get some sleep. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, it's it definitely went a different way, though. Most most I mean, I have to say, just like most other political observers, I have to say I was pretty surprised uh, by the results that we saw yesterday. Yeah, I mean, uh, not the red wave that a lot of people were talking about. And yet there were some surprises for sure. Big night in Florida, obviously. DeSantis doesn't just win. He wins huge. Uh, and there were even chants at his uh, victory party for uh, for a presidential bid as well. So Florida is big, but uh, lots of other problems elsewhere. Fetterman uh, taking a Senate seat. So, yeah, I mean, the way the red wave just did not materialize anywhere outside of Florida. I mean, you're right. Fetterman wins in Pennsylvania. So that was a pickup of the Senate seat for the Democrats uh, right now. It looks like Georgia's going to go to a runoff, but that was, you know, right now, Warnock, the Democrats in the lead. Um, you know, Arizona, you know, the, the pro-life Republican candidate in the uh, Blake Masters, he's um, trailing right now. So and then here's the other thing. You know, the Senate seats were always kind of tough. I mean, it could, it, there's a range whether or not Republicans would and Democrats would basically tie or would Republicans pick up two, three, four, even I see that with some of the optimism beforehand. Now there's a really good chance that, you know, it might be, I mean, Democrats could even pull off a win here. So, and then you look at the House, there were some people who were so optimistic that, oh gosh, Republicans could pick up 30, 40 seats. I mean, didn't even it come could close. Be that, you know, it should be a, a tiny majority for the Republicans, if at all. Joshua, you know, the this whole thing was uh, was quite interesting. I was trying to follow it last night and I was switching through all these things, trying to see what was going on in different states. And I just have I was just wondering, why is it that it's coincidental? It's it's not planned. It's just uh, just by providence, I suppose. Uh, why ballot machines seem to randomly break down in swing states? It seems very odd. Uh, did you track any of that while you were uh, seeing well, everything? Yeah, no, I was watching. I mean, Arizona had some major issues, and it continues to have major issues like it did this cycle. But, I mean, if you look at other swing states or, you know, like Michigan, uh, where I'm from, did not have problems with the ballot box in terms of machinery this time. Just Democrats clobbered, um, you know. And uh, it's true that Republicans did really well in Florida. They did great in Ohio and Iowa as well. 
But overall, um, Democrats got their voters to the polls. They used abortion and they used student loans and they got young people and pro-abortion pro voters to vote in big numbers. The ballot initiatives on abortion, uh, unfortunately, uh, pro-aborts won that in Michigan, Vermont, California. There was a pro-life uh, amendment that, you know, for Kentucky and that failed. So uh, it was not a good night especially for the pro-life movement, you know, there's, there's some bright spots. Don't get me wrong, but um, that there was a definite setback. I mean, outside of Florida and like I say, Iowa, Ohio, there were some major problems. Uh, and I think part of, you know, part of it was that President Biden using student loans and pushing the abortion issue, very sadly, that turned out to be an electoral winner for him, unfortunately, in some of these spots. Uh, Democrats routed, uh, like I say, in Michigan, Pennsylvania. So there's going to have to be some uh, talk here. But one of the things I do think we have to examine is candidate quality. You know, this is going to be something that's going to be talked about in the weeks ahead. Um, I mean, you can like somebody a lot, like Doug Mastroanio in uh, Pennsylvania, but he got drubbed. I mean, he ran against Josh Shapiro, one of the worst governors in the country. And um, Republicans got got really defeated in Pennsylvania. Now, and that was a drag on the whole race. It, it, I think the results are very uh, surprising for many people on both sides of the equation. You have uh, in the I was saying earlier the first midterm of President Clinton's uh, time in office. First midterm lost sixty four seats to the Republicans. Oh, President Obama in his first midterm lost sixty three. But under Biden, um, you get what, what are they? What do you think they're going to lose? Like 15, 20, 25? I mean, right now. Maybe. Now, part of this is, is, is you have to look at it underneath the hood. Republicans did a lot better than expected in the House in mm -hmm. 2020, even though Trump lost reelection. So we had uh, like Democrats had like the thinnest House majority go, coming into this race. So they didn't take up a lot of seats for them to lose to lose the majority. Do you understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. when, but when Clinton and Obama had their first two years, they had large House majority. I mean, Obama had a massive House majority. So there's a lot of Democrats that were, uh, you know, up for grabs and a wave could hit hard. Uh, so that's one factor. But I, I don't want to paper over some of this. This is uh, Republicans really do need to do a lot of soul searching, look at, you know, what kind of candidates they put up mm -hmm. on the board. Um, and look at how, how this, the autopsy for this is going to be ugly, as they say. Yeah, right. as of right like now. What went right in Florida and what went wrong everywhere else? As of right now, uh, the Republicans picked up four seats in the House. Uh, Democrats lost the four. Uh, Rep. Myra Flores down on the Texas border lost her seat that she had received temporarily. So she lost on the border. So all of the. Yeah, uh, that, was a, that, was a, that was a big disappointment. She's such a great fighter, too. Part of the problem is that her special election was in a congressional district on the old census. And then she, when she's running for re-election, she's running under new district, which was less favorable to her. So that was part of it. But again, you know, uh, the hope was that uh, she would be able to uh, lead to victory because she's such a dynamo candidate. Mm -hmm. I do think she's got a future. But they're projecting the Republicans will have the majority in the House at this point. Right. Uh, so Nancy Pelosi's. Uh, career as uh, the majority leaders is over at this point, would you say? Well, yeah, the Speaker of the House, I would think her 
her career probably is over. I mean, she's, you know, pushing 80 years old anyway. I mean, 84 or whatever it is. So she's, it, it's, but here's the thing, like, Democrats and feminists love to talk about how Hillary Clinton was this great leader, you know. And the fact is, Hillary Clinton was not politically that savvy. She didn't, she wasn't tremendous at, at winning elections. Uh, Nancy Pelosi, uh, unfortunately, because <laughs> she's a pro-abortion Catholic, it's so sad. But she is a very crafty woman. And she was able to, you know, she knows how to win elections and build coalitions. And there's no question she her team did a lot better than people expected last night. Hmm. Now, in the Senate, uh, of course, Fetterman picked up that seat. It looks like the Georgia race is going to go to runoff. Uh, so it, it's not looking all that great one, for Republicans uh, taking it back. Republicans won Wisconsin very closely, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah. In Wisconsin, that, that looks like, you know, Ron Johnson pulled it off there, it looks like. But, um, you know, yeah, it's going to go down the wire here in Nevada and Arizona, too. So, I mean. Right. Now in Arizona, uh, there, there in Arizona there was a lot of pushback with the sixty polling stations having problems, and uh, they were trying to get people to put their ballots in a box to be hand counted, some uh, off location. A lot of people pushed back on that. Some folks were taking hours and hours having to try two and three times to get the machines to recognize their votes properly. It was it was a real problem out there. Now here's a question though: Some well, are this saying, is what I would recommend, Joe. This is what I'd recommend. Listeners in whatever state you're in, you should make sure that your state legislator copies exactly what Florida does on election night. Like, here's a massive state. It's like the third biggest state in the country, totally diverse, lots of Democrats, lots of Republicans, lots of different cultures, lots of different languages, right? And they account their elections super fast. I mean, we knew Florida, we knew the results from the Florida elections almost immediately i mean they just count those votes fast and then we're just waiting for these other states that can't seem to get their act together for hours and hours and hours and hours and days and it's like yeah count ballots in a fast way millions of votes florida seemed to figure it out uh arizona had big problems uh new jersey had big problems harris county texas that's houston had big problems it's uh, pennsylvania had paper problems, printer card. Pro- I mean, it was numerous, just, it's, right? it's pretty ridiculous considering uh, that there are states out there. That seem but I mean, to the thing out. is the, the problems in Pennsylvania were, were there, right? And yeah. I, the dip, you know, the frustration with Arizona is that there's so many problems that it mm-hmm. could force people to just stop to not vote. Like, forget, it, I'm not gonna wait for five hours and they leave. That's a big problem. Yeah. The, now, the problems in Pennsylvania still need to be fixed, but I mean, let me ask you this rubbing. though. Let me ask you this. Do you, in Arizona in particular, I don't think all of the votes have been counted there. They're still working on that. Is it possible to see our, uh, the early votes, the blue votes, and the later votes, the red votes? How do you see that? Um, I mean, I just think that there's so many, so much vote out there yet, it's hard to tell what's going to go on in Arizona. I mean, I don't, you know, the question is that you don't want to make sure it's not shenanigans, uh, but I, I, you know, if you're the, you're probably wanting to be the Democratic candidate. Yeah. If at this point if you're looking at what how many votes are coming in and that mm-hmm. kind of stuff, so it looks super optimistic, but that, that doesn't mean it's over. Right on the governor's race, of course, uh, Texas pulls it off. Uh, governor Abbott defeats uh, Beto O'Rourke. Uh, then you got to Desantis, the big win in Florida. Uh, you get Gre- Gretchen Whitmer for another term, and uh, New York gets uh, Kathy Hochul as well for another term. But there were a lot yesterday. We interviewed Joe Borelli, a New York City Council member. He, he had some hope that 
that uh, his governor would uh, be defeated in her race. But clearly, New York is is uh, solid blue today. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, you know, if if there's Catholics who live in New York, you know, maybe you just want to <laughs> relocate to Pennsylvania or New Hampshire or something like that. I mean, it's just it, it's a political wasteland, unfortunately. Um, it's I don't know. It's it's it can be frustrating, but. Overall, uh, there's going to have to be a lot of soul searching in the results from this. And, you know, you mentioned governor's races. Another one, you know, Iowa, again, used to be a very swing state. But Kim Reynolds, she just got reelected there by 15 some points. She did amazing, you know, and, and she's pro-life and she's school for school choice and she doesn't back down. So, uh, you know, there are leaders out there that are showing the way. And I think the way forward for pro-life candidates is to be have courage, stand up for the right ideas and views and policies, back parents, but avoid some of the drama. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like sounds like voters don't want a lot of this a lot of drama. They don't want they don't want you to sound like a sore loser. They just want you to work hard and and, and push the right policies. Uh Brian Kemp uh defeats Stacey Abrams Abrams uh concedes. That's not something she's known for doing in the past. Yeah, I mean, the joke was, uh, you know, she conceded. Oh, I guess she didn't win re-election because she claimed that she won the first time. <laughs> it's just crazy. Well, you know, I mean, it's it's politics, huh? Isn't it crazy? It's joke? politics. That's why I like evangelization better. All right, uh, Joshua Mercer, Catholic Vote, catholicvote.org. Check it out. Make sure you're on the Loop email list. You can go to catholicvote.org to get signed up today. Praise be to God, Joshua. Thank you for your time. God bless you. God love you. Have a great day. Nice to meet you guys. All right. Mother Miriam of the Lamb of God's going to be on right after the break. Plus, Rudy Carlos, breaking news and stories, and so much more is headed your way. Do us a favor and share us with a friend. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. How many times have you heard someone talk about how important it is to be progressive? Have you ever asked them what they mean by that? G.K. Chesterton says, Progress is a useless word, for progress takes for granted an already defined direction, and it's exactly about the direction that we disagree. We can't have progress until we've stated what our goal is, and then we can determine whether or not we're moving closer to it or farther from it. The real question is not whether we are progressive, but what is our goal? My goal is to get to heaven and to help others get there too. What's yours? Want Chesterton for more than a minute? Visit our website at chesterton.org. Uh, first off, I'd just like to say um, I did uh, five years in prison in Texas, and thanks to the Guadalupe Radio Network down there and your ministry, there is a lot of us getting back on track. And especially a big thank you to all your donors who donate to the network and uh, it really helps a lot of us felons find the way and find that the, the catholic truth and get back on track so really thank you for that the guadalupe radio network radio for your soul welcome back to catholic drive time keeping you informed and inspired and now more headlines breitbart reports uk to fight energy crisis by buying gas from the united states Talks regarding so-called energy security partnership agreements that would allow the United Kingdom to buy billions of cubic meters of gas, much of it would be likely uh, from fracking from the United States, 
are reportedly in their final stages, a report on Tuesday has claimed. It comes shortly after the UK's Tory party government under newly minted Prime Minister Rishi Sunak re-implemented a ban on fracking in England, despite the country facing the possibility of rolling blackouts this winter due to a Europe-wide energy shortage. That's a stunning strategy there. CNA reports Mexican bishops defend the presence of Christian symbols on public property. The Mexican Bishops' Conference defended the presence of Christian symbols on public property in light of a case coming from the Supreme Court of Justice of the nation, in which the plaintiff is seeking to prohibit nativity scenes on the streets of of a town hall in Yucatan. In their statement, the conference noted that Article 18 of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights recognizes the right to religious freedom and its expression both in public and in private. The bishops pointed out that a true secular state supposes the protection of this right, allowing the freedom to believe or not believe, even to change one's creed or fundamental choices. And Catholic Vote reports pro-life movement suffered losses in several states. Kentucky's Amendment 2, which would have amended the Commonwealth's Constitution to state explicitly that there is no right to an abortion, was rejected by voters, with 52.8% voting no and 47.2% voting yes. Vermont will be among the first states to enshrine abortion rights in its Constitution. And in Michigan, pro-abortion Proposal 3 passed with 54% of people voting yes, with 46% of people voting no. Over in California, the uh, San Francisco Gate reported that Proposal 1, which changes the California Constitution to say that the state cannot deny or interfere with a person's reproductive freedom and that people have the, quote, fundamental right to choose whether or not to have an abortion and whether or not to use contraceptives, unquote, has been projected as a win for the abortion movement. Those were your headline news this morning. God love you. Praise be to God in all things. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up today. Coming up at the top of the next hour, David L. Gray is going to be on. We're going to talk about the outcome of the abortion referendum across the United States, as Joshua hinted at. There's a lot of bad news there. David L. Gray is going to break it all down for us at the top of the next hour. Do join us if you can. On the line with us right now is Mother Miriam of the Lamb of God, Daughters of Mary, Mother of Israel's Hope. Good morning to you, Mother. Good morning, Joe. How are you? Praise be to God. I am alive, and that counts. How are you? Uh, uh, ditto. That <laughs> <laughs> counts a lot. I've asked God to let me live to 500. Praise be to Jesus. As long as there is soul left on the earth, because uh, then we have eternity forever. Amen. So, well said. Uh, I'm alive and well so far, doing good. Now, it's voting season, obviously. It's, uh, this morning, you you wouldn't even know that there were other news out there besides election results, because that's all every <laughs> single outlet is reporting on. And we just covered it as well. But I saw a tweet this morning, and uh, I thought this summarized things well. It says, evidently, from crime to inflation, the situation may have to get far worse before people get motivated to change course. It's alarming that we apparently haven't hit the bottom yet, close quote. Now, what I find fascinating about this particular quote is, I think too many Catholics uh, believe that we can vote. We can uh, simply have a political solution to the world's problems. And we tend to live our political uh, ideas more with greater fidelity than we do live our actual faith. What say you, Mother Miriam? I say that what you've just said is 
I think right on, spot on, and it's utterly, utterly tragic. Um, I don't know how much more bottom, Joe, our Lord will allow us to hit. Um, I think uh, the way things are, our country is all but gone. It, it's shocking, but um, evil has blanketed the world. Catholics have, you know, like frogs in warm water, uh, gotten used to it. And um, I, I don't know what will wake us from our stupor, Joe, but I personally believe that the shape the country's in is due to Catholics, those who call themselves Catholics and don't live it and don't even know what it is to live it because they are in the world and of it. They may not think that because they may go to church on Sunday, but they are in the world and of it. And um, last night, I was up uh, past midnight uh, following what I could, but um, it, it's, it's sickening, actually. I don't find it shocking, Joe. Um, it, the evening began with quite a bit of hope, with Republicans uh, looking like they have a gain, but um, it quickly went south. And um, I said earlier, I, I was on the air a bit, I'm not a prophetess, but I don't uh, imagine that evil will allow good to have its way. It has had too much success with us, with those who call themselves Catholics. Mm. And you say, why do I pick on Catholics? Because I am one, <laughs> and I'm utterly embarrassed um, because of the faith face of Catholicism in the world, who is supposed to be in it and not of it. And uh, we, you cannot tell us apart from anyone else. You know, mother. Abortion, divorce, everything. You know, mother, I was just thinking about the fact that I have some friends who are, you know, they they were raised good Catholics. They uh, were given the teaching of the church. And then when they got older, they kind of fell off the wagon. They uh, started getting into bad things. And they, no matter what, any they would get meetings with the priest. Mom and dad would drag them over there here and send them to these groups. And they just kept on getting worse. And a lot of times these people will never get better until they absolutely hit rock bottom. And then finally they realize, maybe my parents are right. Maybe my pastor was right. Maybe I do need God in my life. And they come back. And I kind of see that as an analogy for our country. Uh, what do you think about that, Mother Miriam? I think uh, 100% what you're saying is right on. And blessed be God for his grace in allowing us to hit rock bottom. I I. Personally, I don't see that for our country. I think we've gone past return. I really do. Um, it, it's one thing for the heart of an individual uh, to hit rock bottom and look up. Uh, but our country uh, has become so evil. Uh, the government that's supposed to serve the people, um, this totalitarianism that we're heading into, communism that we're already in um, control. I I don't think it's, I personally, not because I don't have hope, God is the God of the, the earth, the heaven and earth. Uh, there's nothing he can't do. I personally think this country is, is beyond hope. 
uh, other than God's miracle. I, I think it's that, I think it's truly that bad. When I said frog in warm water, you know, the analogy, you know, you put a frog in a little pot, you put the pot on the stove and he's really happy. It's room, it's body temperature, it's room temperature, and you turn the heat up, just a simmer. He doesn't even know you've got the light on. Hmm. And it, it, it heats up so gradually, he just, his body keeps adjusting until he boils to death. Um, I think we're boiling to death. I, I do not, I want to have hope. I have hope in God, uh, all things, blessed be his name and for individual salvation. But I have no such hope for our country. You know, uh, on the left, liberals tend to embrace uh, the culture of death and the culture of perversity. On the right, so-called conservatives uh, may be more pro-life, but they almost rarely conserve traditional marriage between a man and a woman which is the bedrock of, of society itself. So what are they actually conserving? And too often they spend just like liberals do. So uh, as a Catholic, right. I tend to find not much of a home in either camp. Uh, and society, my, our neighbors themselves, tend to embrace uh, the LGBTQ agenda. They tend to embrace abortion rights. They tend to embrace all kinds of things that we would find morally troubling, let alone reprehensible. And, uh, and, it just seems like every time there's an election, we're told it's the most important election of your whole life. And, and it may be, but no amount of voting ever seems to change a whole lot. Things t- continue to get worse. Why is the church not getting off the stump? Why are we not evangelizing and trying to convert every single soul, irregardless of who's in office? Well, Joe, that's the question, isn't it? Um, uh, Lord said, why, why are you still sleeping? Uh, could you not watch with me one hour? He suffered three hours, and God asked of them, in the words of Bishop Athanasius Snyder, the minimum, just one hour. Um, I think I think we're blind. Um, uh, the angel of light, I believe, has blinded us because we're not killing anybody. We're not personally, perhaps, performing an abortion. We're not the abortionist. Uh, we may pick it abortion clinics, we go to church on Sunday, we don't do any, we don't steal. And so we're Catholic, but that's not true. Uh, it, it's it's not true at all. I had an email just yesterday from a woman who wrote to me. Mother, I'm going to put a, she, I'm going to ask you to hold that thought. We'll pick up right here or right on the other side of this very quick break. We're talking with Mother Miriam of the Lamb of God, Daughters of Mary, Mother of Israel's Hope, about the state of our world today and the only real solution uh, behind it. All that and plus uh, much more coming up with Catholic Drive Time after the break. Do us a favor and do share us with a friend. We'll be right back. Catholic Radio was there for me when I needed it. Even though I didn't think I needed it, it was there for me. I want everybody to know that I'm giving, not so that I can sit there and say that I gave the GRN for any other reason but this. I want that radio station to be there for anyone else who needs it also. They may not think they need it, but it's going to be there for them, whether it's in the future, whether it's right now. I want that radio station to always be there for them, just like it was there for me. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. 
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Is the Bible sufficient to answer all questions about Christian living and church life? Well, the answer is definitively no. There isn't agreement on scores of doctrinal issues, such as the effects of baptism, who can receive communion, once saved, always saved, abortion, or how about eligibility for marriage after divorce? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, fruit analysis. Luther, Calvin, and Zwingli, who are the fathers of non-Catholic Christianity, did not rid the unbiblical practices they despised, but instead turned out to be the progenitors of some 50 denominations and scores of divergent beliefs. Secondly, natural reason. Well, if the Bible alone is supposed to clarify all beliefs, the very fact that such division prevails is actually proof that an arbiter of doctrine is desperately needed. And thirdly, the golden twins. Sacred scripture and sacred tradition will always prevail as the foundation of all Christian truth, doctrines, and beliefs. Remember, identical twins come from one egg. be to Jesus. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you, praise be to God. Mother Miriam is our guest. Mother Miriam of the Lamb of God, Daughters of Mary, Mother of Israel's Hope. We're talking about, uh, really, the state of affairs, but the election, I guess you could say. And Mother Miriam, I was asking you right before the break, it just seems to me like, uh, like the world, like the majority of people want what we're getting. And we get what we deserve, I suppose. And you were you were saying you received an email from a friend is where you left off. Can you pick up there? Well, yes. And actually a woman that I, that I don't know, but um, she wrote because uh, last Sunday, um, apparently she has three children uh, grown uh, at home. And uh, her husband is a um, lax Catholic, not mm. lapsed, but last, sometimes he goes to church. And she has a 15-year-old son at home, and she was away on Sunday. And when she came home, she asked her 15-year-old if you went to church. And he said, well, no. She said, well, why didn't you ask Dad to drive you? He said, well, I didn't. I forgot about it. And she, she wanted to know uh, what she should do with her son, hmm. um, if she should discipline him, what should happen. And I said to her, I don't know about your son. If he forgets it's Sunday, uh, the faith is probably not his personally. Um, and I said, my my bigger concern is why you are not home on a Sunday. And she wrote back and she said, well, one uh, child was running a marathon and the other was at a sports game. So they had a split up to attend their children's games. I simply wrote her back and I said, that's not God's design for a Sunday or for the family. If you don't make Sunday the priority, your children should not even be playing sports games on Sunday again. That's being in the world and of it. And you should you want your husband and your 15-year-old to go to mass? You need to be home with them. You need to be home as a family. She would never, I haven't heard back from her, she huh. would never consider that that's not living as yeah. a Catholic. Yeah. Because she didn't kill anybody. Um, she might have even gone to work where she traveled, uh, to Bass, where she traveled. If we lived our faith, Joe, I believe, we are, we're not only no different than the world, we are worse than the world. We have more grace than anyone on the face of this earth, and we live like the world. If we lived our faith, if we lived as if it were true, the stores would be closed on Sunday because we wouldn't be in them. 
the restaurants would be closed because we wouldn't take our families to them after mass and demand that others who should be keeping Sunday as a day of worship serve us. The world would be different if we were living our faith. We have a grace that no one has. We have an accountability that is greater than anyone else on earth to whom much is given, much is required. And I believe, again, I don't discount the devil and his ways, but we are not living as Catholics in the world. I don't think you could spot a Catholic on the street. They dress the same uh, in clothing that used to be in my underwear, uh, immodest, um, the speech. It, you can't tell Catholics apart, and it's it's utterly, utterly That's tragic. so true, Joe, Mother Miriam. We I, are responsible. I was just at the University of Houston campus yesterday afternoon, and uh, there was a many. I was pamphleting uh, against uh, ten reasons why transgender ideology is harmful to the family, and a lot of these people who are coming by were wearing rosaries, miraculous medals. They were dressed incredibly inappropriately, and when I'd hand them the the uh, flyer, they would just uh, scoff at me in disgust, and uh, and they would say things like, "I'm not even going to waste my time with you," or "You're disgusting," or they would curse at me. Meanwhile, they're wearing rosaries, they're wearing miraculous medals, and uh, claim to be Catholic, claim to be representatives of the church, and that just when everything you're saying there just spoke very true to to my experience as well. People. Um, it's just, it's very sad. Do you see any way of this turning around mother or what can we do as individuals, uh, to, to turn these things around? I guess first and foremost, change our own lives. But, uh, what would say you, mother Miriam? I think if the devil were here in person, he'd be wearing a rosary and a miraculous medal. Uh, that's his plan. I, I think it's simply, I don't think there's another plan. I think it's what you said. We need to live as Catholics ourselves. Our speech, our dress, our voting, uh, our actions, what we do, what we don't do. Um, if we don't live as Catholics, I, I don't think we have any other power to change the world than to live individually as Catholics uh, by the grace of God and give in to absolutely nothing and don't worry about people liking you if they're homosexual. We need to say, you may not believe the scriptures, but no homosexual, uh, no slanderer, no gossiper will enter heaven. Those are God's words. They're not your opinion, not your belief. It's your belief because you believe God. But that's what God says. And it's, of course, it's please God up to the Holy Spirit to convict him. But I don't think there's anything more powerful mm. we could do. It's not small. But, but I, live our lives to be holy, set apart in the midst of a perverse generation. But I go back to the question I asked before the break, and that is, you know, where the, where is the church? I was on vacation having a conversation with an old friend of mine that I hadn't seen in many years. And we were talking politics and, you know, and I was sort of depressing him. I'm like, listen, the state of affairs is not great. And. I don't have a lot of hope for this red wave that was supposed to come midterms. And this was a, a week and a half ago when I had this conversation. And he's like, well, college you is, then there's no hope. And I'm like, well, at the end of the day, there's no political solution. If, if and when That's the it. bishops of the world decide to convert every single soul, to go after every soul for their own salvation and for the glory of God, 
then the world will absolutely change. But I go back. It seems like today we live in a time and an age where we want dialogue with a lot of sinners, praise be to God, but that dialogue doesn't translate into conversion. That dialogue doesn't translate into bringing these sinners to where they've got to go, which is to live holy lives, to, to, uh, to reconcile with God, to, uh, to make uh, penance for all of the grave sins that we have committed that so gravely offend God, mm-hmm. as Our Lady said uh, to the Fatima children. Um, I, I, I just go back to this one fundamental question, Mother. When are we, gonna, when are we, when are we going to see this fundamental change in the hierarchy of the Church? Oh, Joe, I, I I wish I knew the answer to that. I wish I even had hope for that. But a man by the name of Edmund Burke years back said, the only thing needed for evil to uh, win is for good men to remain silent. Mm. Why our bishops have given in one after another all over the world to such awful evil as LBGTQ and same-sex so-called marriage, uh, gender ideology, blessing of homosexual couples, all of this, I believe, has one goal, one aim, and it's Our Lady's words that um, the final battle will be for marriage and the family. Um, Their silence is death. Their silence is death. Why are they afraid? Why do they want people to like them? Why are they afraid of being come against? I don't know. I don't know if they've lost the faith. Uh, I don't know if they ever have it. Uh, it's it's rampant. But uh, Joe, it's it, we don't have shepherds. We have very, very, very few, and the sheep have to stand up and learn their faith or perish. You know, we mother must must do it. You know, mother. I'm when you're saying this, I'm I'm thinking of the the fiery prayer by Saint Louis de Montfort. I I love this prayer, and this this gives me hope because. The fiery prayer uh, written by St. Louis de Mumford and a, a prophecy for the latter times is, is so beautiful because it talks about in the times when things are absolutely the worst and the worst situation we're in, God is going to raise up men of thy right hand, as uh, he says in the prayer, that are detached from all earthly things, that are going to go into yes. combat with the devil, formed by the Holy Spirit in Mary, speaking about the triumph of the Immaculate Heart, speaking of devotion to Our Lady Mm -hmm. Fatima, who has complete trust in divine providence, and they're going to extinguish the fire that is in the house of God. And that that gives me great hope, and I, and I like to pray this prayer often. It's it's a very long prayer, so uh, but it's a, it's a beautiful prayer, and I can't recommend this enough for people to pray this and pray that God that God makes you as an individual or the apostle of the latter times, one of these soldiers of Our Lady that will fight for Christendom. Uh, Mother, do you think that uh, when when all these things are getting worse, that God will call men that are like the apostles, that are like uh, his mother, that to, to be apostles for these times? Yes, apostles of the last day. I absolutely believe it. God has done that through history with great, great men and women, with great saints. I absolutely believe he will do that, and I think he is doing that. We're down to about— Men and women who are not afraid. Amen Go to ahead, that. Joe. We're down to about a minute and a half left with Mother Miriam of the Lamb of God. And, uh, boy, I think a lot of people are going to feel very depressed uh, this morning or just in general, not necessarily about politics, but about the state of affairs and the state of of what they think is to come still. And at the end of the day, 
Uh, I, I think we are responsible for effort and attitude, and we leave success up to God. And our role is to live in a state of grace, no matter what comes out of the Vatican, the White House, or in between. I'm going to give you the last words here, Mother Mary, and what would be your encouragement to our listeners? It's our Lord's Church. He is building it. Uh, he will lead it into all truth till the end of time, and the gates of hell will not prevail. If you're Catholic, you're truly in the Church, we win. We win. Our Lady's Immaculate Heart will triumph. We're going to go through this time, and I think it's a time of purification to bring us to our senses. But there's tremendous hope. Uh, there's heaven ahead for those who are faithful. It's never too late to turn around. It's never too late to love God, to follow him. But we are on the winning side. If we don't turn from God, there is tremendous hope. The church will last, and again, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And we have people like Joe McLean <laughs> in Guadalupe Radio. Our Lady Guadalupe is the lady of our community, Joe. Praise be to God. And, um, and she will win. Amen to Her that. Immaculate Heart will triumph. Praise be to Jesus. Now, what time of the day is your show, Mother Miriam? Uh, between 9 and 10, also Central Time. Central Time. You can hear it uh, online. It's on uh, Frontline on YouTube. It's also on the Station of the Cross and much, much more. You can go to our website, motherofisraelshope.org. That's motherofisraelshope.org is the website. Mother Miriam, God bless you. God love you. Thank you for your time today. Thank you, Joe. God bless you. Have a great day, Mother. That is going to do it for hour number one of Catholic Drive Time. Uh, really enjoyed our conversations with Mother Miriam and, of course, Joshua Mercer from CatholicVote.org. If you can join us in the next hour, David L. Gray is going to be our guest at the top of the next hour. We're going to catch up on all of the abortion referendum. Plus, we'll play our game show, Fear and Trembling, and the after show to conversate directly with you. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT to hang out with us live. God bless you. God love you. We'll see you back here tomorrow morning. Wouldn't it be great if everyone prayed daily for vocations to the religious life? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Was the Catholic Church in existence as far back as the first three centuries? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, baseball. In September 1845, the New York Knickerbocker Baseball Club was formally established and called baseball. Rules were set, included a diamond-shaped infield, foul lines, and the three-strike rule. But seven years before that, in 1775, that game was already being played on schoolyards, well before it was ever called baseball. Secondly, the Apostolic Fathers such as Tertullian, Clement, St. Ignatius, all wrote before 215 A.D. about the authority of the local bishop. And they used the name the Catholic Church, which already had the liturgy, the Eucharist, the readings, the relics, a hierarchy, and jurisdiction. And thirdly, my take. To fishermen, a dolphin was just a big fish until they were termed dolphins. But they were always dolphins. And baseball was baseball well before it was termed baseball. And you will love this. The early church was the Catholic Church well before Constantine the Great, the Nicene Creed, and your church history book. Hey, Donnie, who were the first two people God created? Adam and Eve. There you go. And what did we inherit from them? 
original sin. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. Are you on the CDT Insider email list? Hi, Joe McLean here. And every week I send you cool stuff straight to your inbox. Goodies that you're not going to want to miss. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT and get signed up today. This is Melissa from St. Bartholomew and Katie, and you're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Plus at 15 past this hour, it's fear and trembling time. We play our game show. Prizes are at stake, and we have a cool prize this week. You could win. You could. It's possible. It's possible. Now, maybe you aren't the... One person who won two-plus billion dollars in the Powerball yesterday. Although that ticket was sold in California, Rudy, are you... Altadena, baby. Just, are you hiding something? I love Altadena. Do you... Did you happen to buy a Powerball ticket uh, there? What? What? Could you imagine? Um, No. Could you imagine winning two billion dollars? Like, I I couldn't do this. It would corrupt my soul. There's no way I could manage two billion... Like, so it's a billion dollars... Okay, you can't take lump sum. If you take lump sum, you get a lot less. If you take the payments, then you get the you're going to end up with the two billion, but you have to pay massive taxes the entire time. Versus lump sum one one tax payment and you get the balance. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. could two billion dollar Powerball? Two billion dollars. What would I do with two billion dollars? I don't even know what to do with my money now. First of all. You didn't know that you had 87,000 cousins, but they're all knocking on your door the next Please. day. I would get a... Um, I already have my cousins knocking on my door. <laughs> you have, and you don't have $2 billion. If I had $2 billion to go get you at a really nice steakhouse. You would, I would buy the steakhouse. Why? Probably. I don't want to deal with that. If then I, I had $2 yeah. billion, dollars, I mm-hmm. would go to Amarillo, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't do the challenge. I would just pay for the steak. <laughs> <laughs> and then take the rest home and eat it for the rest of the week. Yeah, for the rest of the week. Because you'd probably no, just throw it away. Tell you what, give it, it to trash. me rare, extra rare, please. Extra, just let me cook it myself. Put it on ice, man. Yeah, exactly. Yikes! Two billion dollars. I'm being honest when I say I'd go buy a country. I <laughs> I really think that that would corrupt most people. Mm, yeah. I mean, everybody talks a good game of, well, if I won, I would feed all the orphan children of the whole wide world. Okay, sure you were. Right after your supercar collection. Uh-huh. Nah, I don't care about cars. <laughs> and your five homes. I might. Know, I would buy five homes. Your private jet that trumps Trump's plane. I would buy a private jet. I would That's have true. a meager home with enough room to have like a little garden or something. And nah. a supercar collection. No way. I'd get a ranch, dude. I buy a exactly, massive see? ranch. Supercars are have a all scam. my whole family move there. I get houses for my whole family. Supercars are a scam. Where, um, where, in, the un- where in the United States can you drive it mm-hmm. to its full capacity outside mm-hmm. of a? But of you have a, to go buy a racetrack. Yeah, right. A racetrack. Yeah. That's so boring. No thanks. I think I would buy Missouri. Missouri. Buy Missouri. Yeah, just buy Missouri. Oh, you could buy I'd Detroit the wall around the whole thing. You could I'll buy, buy Epstein you could Island. Buy, wow. Yeah. Okay. And then get a bishop to uh, exercise it. Uh, okay. I'm going to do it. I'm going to buy Detroit. 
Uh, it cost what? Giant, 20 bucks? Probably. You see the houses there? Anthony Stein says he's going to buy a, politi- a politician uh, from each party. <laughs> <laughs> it, it wouldn't uh, cost much, man. It wouldn't cost much. But <laughs> listen, uh, your chances of winning $2 billion aren't great. However, your chances of winning fear and trembling coming up at 15 past the hour are amazing. You have mm, great yeah. chances. All you need to try to do is be the first caller when I give you the phone number. So be sure to tune in at 15 past the hour for that. It's fun. You're going to learn something. It's a good time. But joining us right now, all the way from Deutschland, is our good friend, Herr David L. Gray. Guten Tag, morning friend. Guten Tag. It's such a pleasure to be back. Have you gotten used to uh, your new German uh, residency? Yeah, I moved into like this small German village and all my neighbors um, are for the most part German. And so, for the most uh, part, okay. Yeah, so it's, it's been it's been fun. I was at the grocery store down the hill um, yesterday asking for, I didn't know how to ask for, like, you know, if you go to uh, the grocery store and you want money back, mm-hmm. I didn't know how to ask for that, right? And so it's like this, it's like a huge breakdown. So like I you just, were asking for like a, saying, like a, can you break a 20? Is that what you were doing? <laughs> no, I wanted to use my, my ATM card, but I wanted like oh, like okay. ten dollars, ten euros back. Yeah, got it. And so it's been experiences like that. Like I was in a clothing store and yeah. the woman kept asking me questions. Like I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Next thing I know, she has all these clothes out. And it's just it's just <laughs> next thing you know just... you spent uh fifty pounds sterling and uh eighty euro. <laughs> it's, it, that's a true story. I did. <laughs> <laughs> and your wife's like, What did you do this time? <laughs> yeah. Now, if you won $2 billion in a Powerball, what would you do with it, David O'Gray? Oh, I would buy Twitter, and I would kick, I'll kick off Kathy Griffin. <laughs> no way. That's Somebody done. already did that. So unoriginal, David. So unoriginal. That's been totally done already. Praise be to God. All right. Uh, there was some, uh, among other news last night, uh, the pro-life movement suffered quite a bit of loss in several states. Abortion referendum didn't go well. Tell us the story. Yeah, so as of today, the abortion referendums are undefeated. Every time abortion has been on the ballot in six different states, they've won. So they've been undefeated so far. Let me run it down what happened yesterday. So in Michigan, there's a ballot measure that would enshrine abortion rights into the state constitution. It looks like it's going to win by about 53%. So abortion in Michigan is now a constitutional right. In California, um, the same thing, another ballot initiative to enshrine abortion rights into the constitution. It looks like it's going to win by about 69, 70%. In Vermont, um, same thing, another abortion, another initiative enshrining abortion in the constitution. It looks like it's going to win by about 68% in Vermont. In Kentucky, they had an initiative similar to what we saw in Kansas um, earlier this year, where people were asking a question in the negative and asking about the positive, asking, um, saying, is, is, is abortion a constitutional right? And people in Kentucky, like Kansas, saying, um, no, there, there's no right to abortion in the state constitution, which leaves it open um, for um, legislation and other things that come down a pike. But so it's nothing in the Constitution that's stopping um, anyone from getting an abortion. They're saying in Kentucky and in Montana, um, this the Born Alive Infants Protection Act. And it looks like um, they're 53 uh, percent of Montana voters. They're going to reject the ballot initiative. That's going to say if a baby is born alive, it is still not a person and still does not have a right to have their life protected. So after all this is coming down last night, um, 
um, Planned Parenthood, they tweeted out, they, they said the message is clear from voters. And I think I agree with, for the first time with Planned Parenthood. I do think the message is clear from voters. Yikes. Uh, it's kind of a sad thing to say you agree with Planned Parenthood, right? It's like uh, these are things we don't wake up wanting to do. Uh, but the reality is, and, I, and that was kind of a point that I made sort of tongue in cheek this morning off air was, you know, about the voter shenanigans, voting shenanigans, machines breaking down, printer cartridges, paper, all of this causing lots of turmoil in Arizona, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and more. And I think the reality is there are a lot of people who want abortion. There are a lot of people who want the far left liberal agenda. And I think it is surprising to us. And I feel a bit naive sometimes when that when that reality smacks me across the face that people want this level of evil. Uh, what say you, David O'Gray? Yeah, I do think there's a large percentage, Joe, that does say that, yeah, I, I think that yeah, this evil should exist in the world. And but I, I, maybe there's a larger percentage that's these these people to say, um, I just I wouldn't get an abortion, but I think that people should have that right. I just think we haven't done our job as, as Catholics to really articulate that all life is sacred and valuable and is created by God and cannot be destroyed by humans. So, um, mm-hmm. so I think I think there's probably a little bit of mix of both there. Now, of course, uh, so as you said, you've got uh, Vermont, you got Michigan, you got California, Kentucky, and others that are enshrining abortion not only in their constitution but just in law in general in their states, making abortion uh, very much le- a legal issue there. However, a lot of commentators were saying that this was only the gateway. This will also lead to transgender surgeries for youth without parental consent and much, much more. Do you see any links there? It doesn't. If, 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 I mean, this is this is like just a fundamental issue. I mean, is that life in a womb or not? Does it deserve protection or not? Um, should people have just a choice just to arbitrarily just snuff out a life? If we're, if we're seeing that voters are trending towards saying that people have a right to some sort of personal autonomy on that issue, then why wouldn't we think that when those other issues come up that we're also that we're also going to see some personal autonomy? Yes, a person have personal autonomy to or parents have this autonomy to, to cut off their kids um, um, reproduction equipment. So, yeah, I, I don't see any. It doesn't look like it's, we're going to trend the other way here. Now, I, again, I think this is a bit of a litmus test, right? Just to, you know, you're, you're putting your finger out in the air, engaging the wind and all this. And I think your average citizen falls somewhere in this lukewarm middle ground, this mushy little middle ground. Because exactly. a, a lot of so-called conservatives will talk a good game on pro-life, but they sell us down the river on marriage and, and contraception and transgender issues and a lot of other things. As though money in my back pocket is the only thing that's important to me. Yeah, the economy is terrible and inflation is worse. But golly gee whiz, if you can't conserve the dignity of of life or marriage itself, what are you conserving? David O'Gray. And 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 we've been talking so many years about, you know, like, God bless America. And, uh, you know, we have to start asking the question, how long is God going to bless America if if this is our trajectory? If if this is the direction that we're headed towards this direction of just this personal autonomy. You have the right to kill a child in the womb. You have a right to do all types of ungodly things to you and to yourself and to others in society. And so I was listening to the segment before Mother Mary, and it did sound a little bit dark and gloomy, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but I mean, but that's, that's just kind of how we're waking up at, 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 this, at this moment and yeah. um, realizing that maybe this is our trajectory as a country and is God going to continue to bless us.
Okay, so a lot of times uh, we could sit there and look at the world and go, man, it's so bad right now. But I think the reality is it is not nearly as bad as it's going to get. Do you think it's going to get worse? I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you where you guys were right on the last segment um, with Mother Miriam. I, I just, and I've been saying this for, you know, for a couple of years, uh, I just believe that the church has to, um, as the body of Christ, I think we're, we're living, we somehow have to live out the, the life of Christ. And I just see that we're in the age of the passion. And, and so if we look at that age, when people were, really what they were doing at that time, in, in the type of way they were rejecting God fundamentally to the point they were, they would kill God. They would rather have their own desires, their own ambitions, their own political establishment, rather than the reign of God. Yeah. And I just think, I think that's just where we're at. Now, the good news is uh, there is still hope. I mean, the solution is uh, somewhat uh, simple in that we have to live in a state of grace and share the faith with the whole wide world. I mean, if we just do those things, good things could happen. Yeah, and I think I think you hit the nail on the head as well when you were speaking earlier about um, you know yeah sure people go out and vote but voting is not a sacrament it's, it's no salvific thing that happens there so um, we still have to continue to rely on the sacraments and continue to evangelize the sacraments I think that's what Christ gave us for one eternal uh, eternal transformation regeneration also to i'm sure that you know be a type of eucharistic people in the world be a type of christ in the world and bring christ to, to others and that, that's the only way to really change things uh, but you have to wonder i mean you know we're living in just this post-truth society and you, you just have to wonder um how open are people going to be towards that message so but we, we continue have to, we have we continue have to do the work of ourselves yeah. and with others so but, the work doesn't stop but so goes the church, so goes the world. Uh, we have a church that seems to want to dialogue with people, but doesn't want to convert them. I mean, uh, we are, you know, we were given sort of a bad taste in our mouth, and we even talk about conversion of peoples. Yeah, and and and, and it's weird because you see, you see, I mean, sure, you know, we want to argue, say, okay, well, these bishops are going after the lost sheep. Um, you know, going after the one lost sheep, but you know, are they really? It, it seems right. like they're are like they converting them, push sheep. Over converting you know, it, it doesn't it doesn't seem to be the case yeah i it's kind of scary we were talking to an uh, an author who wrote a book a long time ago actually and uh we're talking about the the pope's trip to bahrain and uh, we were comparing contrasting to saint francis and one of the points he made was saint francis wanted to convert the sultan like that was why he went to preach jesus yeah. christ and salvation through jesus christ and his holy catholic church uh it wasn't just about dialogue. Now, if you can dialogue towards that end, praise be to God. But if dialogue is all you're doing, not towards the end of salvation, then what is the point of dialogue? It doesn't make sense. Are we going to get out of the fog? Last question. Um, I, I, I don't, I, I, you know, I, I, I just don't As see the music it. I, I really don't. I, see. I, I, just, I just don't see it. Wow. <laughs> You're, you are a true politician. Duck in the question, David Elgrad. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. God bless you, David. Have a great day, my friend. Enjoy Germany while, while it lasts. Hey, uh, coming up after the break, it's time to play Fear and Trembling. Catholic Trivia Game Show where prizes are at stake. A lot of fun is had, and you can win at 877-757-9424. That phone number call right now is 877-757-9424. Call now. Be right back. 
In 1 Timothy, it says that Jesus is our sole mediator, yet we pray to Mary and the saints. Is that going against the Bible? 1 Timothy 2 verse 5 says, There is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. By praying to the saints, we're accused of going against the Bible because it seems we are making the saints mediators between God and man, not just Jesus. In the Old Testament, we see that Moses, Abraham, and Job interceded on behalf of others. That's mediating between God and man. Plus, we know that it is okay to ask others here on earth to pray and intercede for us. That's mediating between God and man. So once again, we have a situation where a passage of the Bible is being misinterpreted and misunderstood. There is only one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. But as members of the body of Christ, he allows us to share in his mediation. Scripture says that we have only one foundation, Jesus Christ, 1 Corinthians 3.11. But Scripture says that there is more than one foundation, Ephesians 2.19 and 20. Scripture says that we have only one Lord, Jesus Christ, Ephesians 4, verses 4 and 5. But Scripture says there is more than one Lord, Revelations 19.16. Scripture says that we have only one judge, Jesus Christ, James 4, verse 12. But Scripture tells us there is more than one judge, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 2. Contradictions in Scripture? No, not when these passages are read in context. Jesus is the only foundation, Jesus is the only Lord, and Jesus is the only judge. But we are members of Jesus' body. Therefore, we are able, according to the graces given by Christ, to share in Jesus' role as foundation, as Lord and as judge, and in other aspects of Christ as well. Another example, as a father, I share in God's role as the Father by His grace. And so also the saints in heaven can and do share in Christ's role as mediator. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling. A Catholic trivia game show with secrets and agendas that you're not supposed to tell anybody. But you are supposed to call. First caller gets to be our contestant. If you've never played, it's fun. It's easy. Call now. Uh, If you've uh, played, but it's been a while, like a month or so, call back. 877-757-9424. Phone number is 877-757-9424. Phone line is wide open right now for you. Adrian Fonseca standing by to take that call at 877-757-9424. One more time, 877-757-9424. Call right now. But there are a few things we like to do on the down low, on the QT. Uh, Please do not share this with Project Veritas, whatever you do. Okay, no whistleblowers here, please. But number one, we like to teach the faith. We look for teachable moments in the questions where you might learn something you didn't know before. And then, of course, we like to have a laugh, a good chuckle, Our callers laugh with us. We enjoy that most. And then we give out prizes, which incentivizes the whole thing because you could learn, laugh, or win. See, everybody wins something, gets something out of the deal. But the kicker is, out of the three Catholic trivia questions that are before me now, I do not ask the caller the question. So they don't even need to know. They may not know a single correct answer, 
All they got to do is make a decision. Whom do they trust more, Rudy or Adrian? Because one of them will give us a right, and the other will give us a wrong answer. The caller will have 15 seconds. And if they get that right, they go into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Rudy, what could they win? Praise be to God. Our sponsor this week is Mendoza Leathercraft, a small business from uh, Tomball, Texas, right around here in, in our neck of the woods. And they provide high-quality, unique, and custom leather products that will serve you for a very long time. Victor, who's a fellow Catholic, has generously sponsored our game show this week with a beautiful leather rosary pouch and keychain set made of Horween Chrome Excel leather. It's a navy color. If you're watching us on our live feed, which you can you can uh, always tune into, go to GRN online forward slash CDT. I'm holding it up right now. Very beautiful leather craft here. Uh, now, if you're in the Irving, Texas area, he will be at the St. Nicholas Farmer's Market over at Modern Day Parish. Make sure to check out his booth. But uh, you can also look at his online store at mendozaleathercraft.square.site. That's mendozaleathercraft.square.site. He's also on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok. Thank you very much, Victor. Praise be to God. Thank you, Mendoza Leather Craft. Why, that takes me back to my broadcasting uh, school days. Red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather. <laughs> I couldn't say it then, and I can't say it now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Mendoza Leather Craft. Thank you for your, your generous gift. Let's go to the phones. John, good morning to you. How are you? Praise be to God, John. I am alive, and that counts. How are you? I'm doing well. Same thing. I got dressed all by myself. <laughs> Praise be to God. <laughs> you see, we're accomplishing things early in the morning. It makes us feel good for the rest of our day. Now, if I remember, John, you are calling from uh, Dodge City. Is that is that the case? That's right. Praise be to God. Right. Great, The yes, great Dodge that. City, uh, which is yeah. known for, uh, what are they known for up there, John? What's Dodge City known uh, for? Well, we're supposed to be the cowboy capital, mm-hmm. and we have... Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Boot Hill, uh, you know, from uh, the history days back yeah. in, uh, yeah, back in the 1800s. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Praise be to God. Dodge um, City, Kansas. Now, what church do you go right. to again, John? Excuse me? What church do you go to again? Uh, Cathedral of Our Lady of Guadalupe. Nice. I like that. I have a I have an affinity mm-hmm. for Our Lady of Guadalupe. And I know you've played before, John. We're grateful to have you back on the show. Uh, you know the rules. You know how this works. Are you ready to play, sir? Yes. All right. Here we go with uh, the question for Rudy Carlos, as is our tradition, our custom, who has apparently got into the custom of not wearing ties anymore. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Leather jacket, too. Rudy, I don't even know where to begin. You got, like, this Top Gun look going on here. Guess where I found this. Uh, I... I don't know. I'll tell you Aren't in the after man closets, in, uh, maybe? From Tombstone? Yeah. Where did you get it? <laughs> I'll tell you in the after show. Oh, okay. okay. All right, uh, Rudy, are you ready, sir? I am ready. Praise be to God. Are you sure? Mm, yeah, I think so. Does that leather yeah. jacket smell nice and leathery? Let me see. <sighs> yeah, sort of. Wow. All right. Ooh. Praise be to God. Can you tell me, speaking of smells, okay? Okay. Speaking of smells. All right. Uh, who are the patron saints of Cook's? Who are the patron saints of cooks? Okay, well, that's going to be St. Guido Fieri. Really? Yep. Sounds Italian. And uh-huh. his brother, mm-hmm. Gordon. Really? Gordon Fieri. Okay, I yeah. see. So you're saying St. 
Guido and Gordon Fieri. That's right. Are the patron saints of cooks. Mm-hmm. Huh. Mm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Uh, anyway, let's just see what uh, Adrian has to say. Now, Adrian, I can tell that you love food. Okay. Oh, Could you, you tell, tell me? You can tell by my weight, right? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I didn't you're calling say me, You're calling me fat. I didn't say I see that. how it is. Okay. You are uh-huh. a connoisseur of food. You love right. food. I can mm. tell. Thank yeah. you to God. Mm-hmm. Uh, who are the patron saints of cooks, please? Yes. Well, as someone who clearly loves food, <laughs> someone who is uh, significantly <laughs> overweight, I'm just uh, every time I take a step, the, the ground shakes, uh, that would be St. Lawrence and St. Martha. Okay, mm-hmm. Saint, Saint Lawrence, Lawrence and Saint and Saint Martha. Martha. It, are they uh, are they Italian? I'm just curious. Um, Lawrence was, I guess, he was before Italians existed. Okay. Oh. He, was, he was Roman, uh, and Saint Martha would have been, I guess, Nazarene, maybe. Oh, I don't I see. know. Okay, I'm not quite sure. All right, John in Dodge City, uh, Kansas, you've got options here. The patron saints of cooks. Adrian says is St. Lawrence and St. Martha, whereas Rudy is thinking it is St. Guido and Gordon Fieri. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? John in Kansas, what say you? Well, this is kind of interesting. I, I went with Adrian. <laughs> you had to, John. Don't feel bad about it. Way to go, John. Okay. I mean, you had no choice but to agree that Adrian was correct here. You know what they say, John. You know what they say. They say that if you go with Adrian, you become mm. smarter, Do wiser, they? more attractive, mm. younger. Yeah. It's kind of amazing. Yeah. You shouldn't like believe a, everything like you read on Twitter. That's all I'm saying. Okay. I should tweet that later. <laughs> all right. You're in the well, cup. It is St. Lawrence. It is St. Martha. That is the correct answer. Praise be to God. But let's go with the second question. I think we're going to get you in there. Easy peasy on this next question. Going with Adrian. Uh Uh-oh. Adrian, can you tell me, what is the name given to a section of the Holy Rosary that consists of one Our Father, ten Hail Marys, and one Glory Be to the Father? Oh. What do we call that? That's easy. Yeah. That's called a tetrahedron. What? A tetrahedron. Gazuntite? Yeah, tetrahedron. God bless you. That's what I said, tetrahedron. What? Sorry? See, they said Oh, that, that was your answer. They said geometry wouldn't be useful. <laughs> a tetrahedron. <laughs> what? A tetrahedron. A tetrahedron. Mm-hmm. I've got to Google that. All right. Well, you uh, don't have to Google it. It's what's tet- the answer to your I question. See, I see. Yeah. I see. Tetrahedron. Hedron. 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 I got it. Nailed it. Okay, Rudy, can you tell me what is the name? What is the name given to a section of the Holy Rosary that consists of one Our Father, ten Hail Marys, and one Glory Be? Praise be to God. That is known as a decade. And if you're a single Catholic, Mm -hmm. you're a single Catholic guy, Mm -hmm. you're scared, you Mm want to go up to a girl, just go up to her and say, Hey girl, would you like to spend a decade with me? <laughs> Keep it holy, everybody. Keep it holy, okay? Go pray the rosary together. Don't be giving advice to my discern, sons. <laughs> discern the marriage wisely, okay? Big responsibility. Yikes. All right, it's the after decade. show conversation. We're going to run out of time here. John, is it a decade, as Rudy says, or a tetrahedron? As Adrian is suggesting. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? John, what say you? It's an easy one. Rudy. Rudy. Rudy Decade. <laughs> what is a tetrahedron? It's a uh, four-sided polygon. I knew that. I yeah. totally. Obviously. <laughs> did, don't you remember from uh, yeah. geometry? That was what? Just a couple years ago Let's for you, see. right? It was 1890. Oh, that was more what? like 80 years yeah. ago. My, my mistake. Sorry. <laughs> all right. Uh, you're in for two, John. You were not fooled at all. 
Uh, it is a decade, of course. But let's see if we can't get you in there for a perfect score today. Uh, this one, I'm going to be honest with you, I probably would not get this one right. It is super tricky here. We're going to go back to Rudy and his leather jacket without a tie. But I can see the shirt you're wearing wouldn't wear a tie today. You'd have to have a solid color tie to go with a shirt like that. And I'm a purist. I need silk. I don't have silk. But people of your generation often mix and match patterns all the time with no style sense whatsoever. I don't get it. But anyway, here, let's go. Uh, List the first hierarchy of angel for me. What is the the first first hierarchy? hierarchy out of many? That's Nephilim, Angelim, and Bogusim. What are you laughing about? Uh, Cough. I have allergies. Uh, (laughs) You said Nephilim, Angelim, and Bogusim. Bogusim. Got it. Those are the... You got to be afraid of those. I am afraid. Very. Uh, Adrian, maybe you can help. Could you list for me the first hierarchy of angels? Uh, Of course I can. With my PhD in hierarchy, Mm -hmm. I know that it's uh, Seraphim, Cherubim, and Thrones. Huh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Uh, so, John, you got options. Adrian th- seems to think it's the seraphim, cherubim, and thrones is the first hierarchy of angels. Whereas Rudy is suggesting Nephilim, Angelim, and Bogusim as the first hierarchy of angels. 15 seconds on the clock. John in Dodge City, Kansas. What say you, sir? Thank you, correct. <laughs> Now, John, unfazed. I mean, you are right, of course, but John, you, you if said he's that, right, that means I'm right, you huh? You said that a little too confidently. Adrian is correct. Like, John, we sh- one should never go, admit John. that so, so confidently. But you are right. It is the Seraphim, Cherubim, and Thrones. God bless you, John. Perfect score. Thanks for having a laugh with us today. God bless you, John. We're going to put you on hold. Praying for you and whatever is on your agenda today. But uh, that's going to do it for the radio side of the show. If you can join us in the after show, we'd like to hear from you directly. I've gotten some good commentary already on the conversations we've had. We'll share that with you in the after show at grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Welcome to the Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi. We offer this Holy Sacrifice of the Mass for all of our online viewers and all those listening on Guadalupe Radio Network. Today we celebrate the uh, dedication of St. John Lateran. To Jesus Christ, our Sovereign King, who is the world's salvation, all praise and homage do we bring, and thanks and adoration. Christ Jesus, Victor, Christ Jesus, Ruler, 
Christ Jesus, Lord and Redeemer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Kyrie eleison, Christe eleison, Kyrie eleison, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to people of good will. We praise you, we bless you, we adore you, we glorify you, we give you thanks for your great glory. Lord God, heavenly King, O God, almighty Father, Lord Jesus Christ, only begotten Son, Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father, you take away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. You take away the sins of the world, receive our prayer. You are seated at the right hand of the Father, have mercy on us. For you alone are the Holy One, you alone are the Lord. You alone are the Most High, Jesus Christ with the Holy Spirit, in the glory of God the Father. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. O God, who from living and chosen stones prepare an eternal dwelling for your majesty, increase in your church the spirit of grace you have bestowed, so that by new growth your faithful people may build up the heavenly Jerusalem. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Reading from the book of the prophet Ezekiel. The angel brought me back to the entrance of the temple, and I saw water flowing out from beneath the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the facade of the temple was toward the east. The water flowed down from the southern side of the temple, south of the altar. He led me outside by the north gate and around to the outer gate facing the east, where I saw water trickling from the southern side he said to me, This water flows into the eastern district down upon the Arab 
and empties into the sea the salt waters which it makes fresh wherever the river flows every sort of living creature that can multiply shall live and there shall be abundant fish for wherever this water comes the sea shall be made fresh along both banks of the river fruit trees of every kind shall grow their leaves shall not fade nor their fruit fail every month they shall bear fresh fruit for they shall be watered by the flow from the sanctuary their fruit shall serve for food and their leaves for medicine the word of the lord thanks be to god the waters of the river gladden the city of god the holy dwelling of the most high the waters of the river gladden the city of god the holy dwelling of the most high god is our refuge and our strength an ever-present help in distress therefore we fear not though the earth be shaken and mountains plunge into the depths of the sea the waters of the river gladden the city of god the holy dwelling of the most high there is a stream whose runlets gladden the city of god the holy dwelling of the most high god is in its midst it shall not be disturbed god will help it at the break of dawn the waters of the river gladden the city of god the holy dwelling of the most high the lord of hosts is with us our stronghold is the god of jacob come behold the deeds of the lord the astounding things he has wrought on earth the waters of the river gladden the city of god the holy dwelling of the most high a reading from the first letter of saint paul to the corinthians brothers and sisters you are god's building According to the grace of God given to me, like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation, and another is building upon it. But each one must be careful how he builds upon it, for no one can lay a foundation other than the one that is there, namely, Jesus Christ. Do you not know that you are a temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For the temple of God, which you are, is holy. The word of the Lord. Alleluia, 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 alleluia. Alleluia. I have chosen and consecrated this house, says the Lord, that my name may be there forever. Alleluia. 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 The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Since the Passover of the Jews was near, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. He found in the temple area those who sold oxen, sheep, and doves, as well as the money changers seated there. He made a whip out of cords and drove them all out of the temple area with the sheep and oxen and spilled the coins of money changers and overturned their tables. And to those who sold doves he said, Take these out of here and stop making my father's house a marketplace. 
His disciples recalled the words of Scripture, Zeal for your house will consume me. As this the Jews, at this the Jews answered and said to him, What sign can you show us for doing this? Jesus answered and said to them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews said, This temple has been under construction for forty-six years, and you will raise it up in three days. But he was speaking about the temple of his body. Therefore, when he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they came to believe the scripture and the word Jesus had spoken. The Gospel of the Lord. Jesus Christ. There was a, you know, a time where you go to different shops, like a, go to a, a Walmart or a, an HEB, you go to uh, different restaurants, and if you have a bad experience, usually you want to tell your friends about it so that they, they don't repeat that experience. And this kind of American pragmatist you know, we, we we go to these different human organizations and we start talking about it. And that kind of attitude um, is very dangerous for the church to have this kind of customer rating, oh, like, oh, I, I like that church, I don't like that priest or that homily or, you know, whatever, that kind of thing. That can be very harmful because you're not keeping somebody from attending just a church you're keeping them from Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is truly super substantially present in the church, in his body, blood, soul, and divinity, but also through the receiving of sacraments that depend on a relationship with a priest, like confession or baptism or anointing of the sick. That's why talking about those things are very harmful. On the other hand, uh, it is out of love for the church that we, if we see something we say something, we see something wrong that a priest is doing or, or financially or any other kind of way, we should say something. And there should be a very high, what they call hyper accountability. That's a wonderful thing because that means that the church is being cleansed, that Jesus is, is cleansing his church from the inside out. And we should have this attitude of, of trying to keep the church clean. And this means fundamentally, uh, that the church would go through the Paschal mystery, that it would pass through the Paschal mystery. That's why Jesus would say, when they asked him for a sign, um, and out of all the things that he was convicted for um, when he was at, at court, you know, later at Herod's court, that this is the one thing they, they kind of, uh, they focused on. But this is also what he's saying is the church has to pass through the Paschal mystery, not just the head of the church, but the whole church, passes through the death and resurrection every generation i think would have a certain kind of crucifixion and resurrection and so when purification comes we should not fear it we should embrace it and hold jesus's hand because it's just him in his church cleansing it and and sanctifying it making it holy purifying us freeing us from sin and removing from us everything that that should not be in our attitude but especially this worldliness this kind of you know the, you know the the selling um having kind of a a buy and sell kind of pragmatist attitude applied to spiritual things that we would have jesus's way of thinking 
in in short and in summary and in closing we look at the world with the eyes of jesus instead of looking at jesus with the eyes of the world let us bring our petitions to the lord we pray for the whole church that jesus may purify her and make her holy and wash her in the word and in his blood for this we pray to the lord we pray for our Holy Father, all bishops and priests, that they may be consecrated men of God, doing God's will and, and sanctifying the church. For this we pray to the Lord. We pray for our government leaders. We pray for an end to abortion, same-sex unions, gender confusion, and human trafficking. We pray to the Lord. We pray for the sick, the suffering, the poor. We pray to the Lord. We pray for all of our beloved dead, especially in this month of November, for all the souls in purgatory and all those enrolled in our uh, Salt Mass Association. For these, we pray to the Lord. Eternal and blessed Father, we ask you to hear us, for we make these and all our petitions in the holy name of Jesus Christ, and through the powerful intercession of our Mother Mary, as we pray together. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Father, we adore you. Lay our lives before you. How we love you. Jesus, we adore you. Lay our lives before you. How we love you. Spirit, we adore you. Lay our lives before you. How we love you. Trinity, we adore you. Lay our lives before you. How we love you. Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. Accept, we pray, O Lord, the offering made here, and grant that by it those who seek your favor may receive in this place the power of the sacraments and the answer to their prayers through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere, to give you thanks, Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God. For in your benevolence you are pleased to dwell in this house of prayer, in order to perfect us as the temple of the Holy Spirit, supported by the perpetual help of your grace, and resplendent with the glory of a life acceptable to you. Year by year you sanctify the Church, the Bride of Christ, foreshadowing invisible buildings 
so that rejoicing as the mother of countless children, she may be given her place in your heavenly glory. And so with all the angels and saints, we praise you as without end we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Pleni sunt terra, Gloria tua, Osana in excelsis, Benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, Osana in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, and all you have created rightly gives you praise. For through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, by the power and working of the Holy Spirit, you give life to all things and make them holy. And you never cease to gather a people to yourself, so that from the rising of the sun to its setting, a pure sacrifice may be offered to your name. Therefore, O Lord, we humbly implore you, by the same Spirit, graciously make holy these gifts you have brought to us for consecration, that they may become the body and blood of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, at whose command we celebrate these mysteries. For on the night he was betrayed, he himself took bread, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. mystery of faith, we proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, O Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the saving passion of your Son, his wondrous resurrection and ascension into heaven, and as we look forward to his second coming, we offer you in thanksgiving this holy and living sacrifice. Look, we pray, upon the oblation of your church, and recognizing the sacrificial victim by whose death you will to reconcile us to yourself. Grant that we who are nourished by the body and blood of your Son, and filled with his Holy Spirit, may become one body, one spirit in Christ. May he make of us an eternal offering to you, so that we may obtain an inheritance with your elect, especially with the most blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, blessed Joseph, her spouse, with your blessed apostles and glorious martyrs, with St. John, and with all the saints on whose constant intercession in your presence we rely for unfailing help. May this sacrifice of our reconciliation, we pray, O Lord, advance the peace and salvation of all the world. Be pleased to confirm in faith and charity your pilgrim church on earth with your servant, Francis our Pope, Michael our Bishop, the Order of Bishops, all the clergy, and the entire people you have gained for your own. 
Listen graciously to the prayers of this family, whom you have summoned before you in your compassion, O merciful Father. Gather to yourself all your children scattered throughout the world. To our departed brothers and sisters, and to all who are pleasing to you at their passing from this life, give kind advance to your kingdom. There we hope to enjoy forever the fullness of your glory, through Christ our Lord, through whom you bestow on the world all that is good. Rome, him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. Precepti salutaribus moniti et divini institutioni formati, audemus dicere, Pater noster, qui es in celis, sanctifice tu nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicut in celo et in terra, panem nostrum quotidianum da nobis hodie, et imite nobis debita nostra, Sicut et nos dimitimus, debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos amahalo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. The kingdom of the power and the glory of Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity, in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your Let us offer each other the sign of peace. On you stay. Que tolis peccatam mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, que tolis peccatam mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, que tolis peccatam mundi, nonna nobis pahacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those who are called to the supper of the Lamb. communion antiphon, be built up like living stones into a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. An act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there. 
and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Crown him with many crowns, the Lamb upon his throne. Hark how the heavenly anthem drowns all music but its own. Awake, my soul, and sing of him who died for thee, and hail him as thy matchless king through all eternity. Crown him the virgin son, the God incarnate born, whose arm those crimson trophies won, which now his brow adorn. Fruit of the mystic rose, as of that rose the stem, the root whence mercy ever flows, the babe of Bethlehem. Crown him the Lord of love, behold his hands and side, rich wounds yet visible above, in beauty glorified. No angel in the sky can fully bear that sight, but downward bends his burning eye, that mystery so bright. Crown him the Lord of peace, whose power a scepter sways. From pole to pole that wars may cease, absorbed in prayer and praise. His reign shall know no end, and round his pierced feet Fair flowers of paradise extend their fragrance sweet. Let us pray. O God, who chose to foreshadow for us the heavenly Jerusalem through the sign of your church on earth, Grant, we pray, that by our partaking of this sacrament, we may be made the temple of your grace and may enter the dwelling place of your glory. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace, glorifying the Lord by your life. Salve Regina, Mater Misericordiae, Vita tu cedo, et spes nostra salve. A te clamamus, exules filiefe, a te suspiramus, gementes et flentes, in hac The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. 
prayer of deliverance. Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Spreading the splendor of truth, this is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. 